Welcome to another week of It's Just My Thoughts, and I'm your host, Mika Reeves. And today I have Leslie in the building. We're going to do a special quarantine and chill episode where we're talking all things hot topics and uh, some TV talk today. Uh, I also want to let you know that this week um, on Wednesday, I'm doing Wellness Wednesday on my live on IG. It's just my thoughts underscore podcast with uh, Taylor. She was on my relationships episode a few episodes back. And so we're going live together and just talking a little mental health talk and some TV talk as well. Uh, and just trying to do something different and, and uh, be more available to you guys. Um, for me this week, you know, it's been, it's been pretty, um, it's been pretty much the same. I think the same for everyone. I've been trying to keep myself busy. Um, we've watched quite a bit of TV, but not that much. Um, just kind of the main shows. But for me, you know, I had this conversation the other day. I don't want to come out of quarantine saying that I spent my entire quarantine uh, watching TV. I want to come out of it saying that I spent my time at home being productive and and doing some of the things I wanted to do and still working on my goals that I set at the beginning of the year. Um, That's something that's been very important to me instead of just sitting around like, you know, I've been knocking out reading, which has been really nice. It's been really quiet. It's allowed me some time to kind of journal a little bit more and do a lot more reflection. So that's been pretty nice for me so far with everything going on. Um, I do miss my family and friends this whole entire time. I haven't seen any, pretty much anybody in my family and haven't seen uh, any of my friends um, for the most part. And so, uh, you know, that's pretty difficult, just breaking, breaking out of your norms and I'm um, just more so just waiting uh, for all this stuff to pass. But um, still my, still my thoughts with everyone affected by it. But um, what about you, Leslie? Uh, what do you, uh, how do you feel about everything going on? Um pretty much like you my goal is to stay productive and positive I miss hanging out it's crazy how you take for granted being able to go get a meal or have brunch but uh, this week has been one where I've not done some reading also but also just trying to stay positive during this time Uh, for me it's interesting because I'm an extrovert I'm used I'm accustomed to being around groups of people so working from home has been something that's really taken me to get acclimated to, but I'm hanging in there. You know, I'm going to tell y'all to be funny. Uh, I'm used to working from home. So, you know, I literally sit around every day for the most part in my pajamas. Uh, that's pretty much what I do. And it's been funny watching Leslie uh, work from home because uh, she still gets up and gets herself together and gets dressed and it's pretty nice, but I'm like, I don't do that, you know, and I, <laughs> and I don't think I'm ever going to do that. But, um, but, uh, I know she's struggling with working from home though, because she, she enjoys, uh, you know, going into the building and seeing, you know, her staff and all that. And I think her days probably go by faster. So, um, I think that's been interesting, but, uh, that's all I really have for the week. That's all you really have. Yeah. All right. So let's just move into, um, some motivational Monday. So this week for Motivational Monday, I have uh, I have a tweet here if I can find it. And when I saw this, um, I thought this was really good, and it was a and it was good kind of like reflection. So I got this from Inspirational Quotes, and it says, "If your life ended tomorrow, would you be proud of what you left behind?" And so I I wanted to say this today for Motivational Monday because. I think this is a good uh, reflection piece. Like I stated, like I actually um, jotted down my my thoughts on this when I saw it in regards to myself um, and what I feel like, you know, if I was to, um, if my life ended tomorrow, what do I think people would say and what would be my legacy for the time that I've been here in my 35 years? And what do I think is things that um, for me, I would like to continue working on. And uh, so that's something I want you to kind of, you know, when you're journaling, you could use that as a journal piece to just give some just self-reflection of, you know, would you be proud of what you left behind or is there something that you feel like you would be embarrassed about? All right. So my black excellence this week is, uh, this week, um, Wale released his sue me video. Um, when I saw it, I immediately went to go watch the video because I actually really enjoyed a Wale last CD and Sue Me was actually my favorite song on the CD. So I went to watch the video. And when I watched the video, um, you know, I pretty much know what it feels like to be black in America and, you know, kind of what comes with that at times. And so it was really um, still just insightful to see how he kind of changed the changed perspective to where it was white people that was experiencing um, some of the things that a black, black person every day may experience. And it was very just kind of like... Um, it was thought provoking, but it was really, uh, it really touched me. And it was, it was really, it, it was really sad for me 
but I think this is something that more and more uh, people need to see and hear. And also, um, I've talked many times on the show about just my struggle sometimes with just rap and its influence with the younger kids. And, you know, a lot of times, you know, Wally's always been a lyrical rapper where he's really speaking on uh, things that's important. And for me, it's like, you know, um, when you make when you make type this type of um, material and put it out into the world where, you know, potentially, you know, these kids coming up, listening to rap can hear, you know, these messages and see these messages to where they can, you know, stop being stuck on like stupid stuff, but just more so start thinking about the realness of the world, you know, and I think that's what he kind of conveyed in this video. And I really enjoyed it. If you haven't watched it, go on YouTube and check it out. All right. So today we're going to do some hot topics first, and then we're going to finish on all TV talk for the rest of the time. So I'm going to try my hardest not to put any spoilers in here, but some, some shows we are talking about. So what I'm going to do in the notes, uh, I'm going to tell you the times that we're talking about certain things. So if you want to kind of fast forward those parts, if you don't want to hear about certain TV shows, if you're not there yet, um, I tried to give you time to watch everything. So uh, we're going to, I'm going to put all that in the notes. So just pay attention to that. So you're not um, getting any spoilers if you haven't already seen it. So let's stop. Let's start with, um, cause I don't want to talk much about, uh, you know, uh, COVID. Um, so let's just start with, uh, the news of Georgia reopening. Um, when I saw this, here's my, here's my thing. And then I'm going to let Leslie share her thoughts on it. I feel like personally, like I know, everyone is ready to reopen the world. And, you know, I had this conversation the other day, um, you know, just inside of our house and, you know, with our kid or whatever, just saying like, um, we're some of the few that's still able to work and maintain our everyday and nothing really has changed as far as like the biggest thing has been, you know, that we're at home, but we're thankful that we're able to continue to work and, you know, continue to be able to function kind of as normal financially. Um, so I understand completely why people want to reopen because so many people are not working. You know, um, I, I hear more and more conversations of how many people still haven't received unemployment, how many people still, you know, um, still waiting for some kind of just relief. A, a lot of people did not get a stimulus check still. So um, I get it. Right. But my thing is, when I saw Georgia reopening and then even over the weekend, seeing like the lines that was for um the nail salons and things like that. Here's my thing. Like, I feel like, you know, we should all still continue to be safe. I at first wasn't really wearing mask out. And now like, you know, I have started just, you know, when I go to the grocery store, just throw my mask on, you know, and things like that. And so I'm like, you know, in my opinion, I get the need to, and the want and desire to reopen, but there's nothing in place. I haven't seen anything really in place to where it's speaking to, um, doubling down, doubling down on the testing, you know, just more awareness, like the awareness of what's going on. Like, I still feel like people still don't really know what's, you know, like even the amount of cases, you know, I mean, I, I know people that was sick last year in like November, December, and I really think that they had coronavirus and they didn't know. So, I mean, I think even when we see the numbers of the cases that we see now, I don't even think those are accurate, um, numbers. And so, I don't fully get the rush to reopen if there's nothing set in place. And all I see when I see that it's just more and more people that's going to get sick just because they're out being careless. And, um, you know, I just rather, you know, right now in North Carolina, they're doing things in phases and just kind of see, you know, how things go. I kind of like that idea, but at the same time, I would more so feel comfortable if there was some kind of testing, a lot more of it in place to where, you know, you had the capabilities of just going to get a test and making sure that, you know, you don't have it. Or if you had it, like getting, uh, you know, some kind of quick solution to that. So I don't know. I still think people should um, stay at home as much as possible. And if you do go out, still wear a mask and things like that. But just don't jump right into being in society with if the coronavirus still here. So it just doesn't really fully make sense to me. I don't know. What do you think, Leslie? I agree. Uh Georgia hasn't peaked or plateaued as of yet, so I do think that the reopening is way too soon. The memes about this have been hilarious. Have you seen them? I haven't seen any. The memes are hilarious, but I think the running concept or the running motto with this is stay your ass at home. So I think that's what everyone should do at this time. 
Um, I get it. I don't think our economy really could handle being shut down for much longer. I read an article just this morning where one of the barbershop owners spoke about how he's depleted his savings and he's desperate to work. So I get it. We have to do something to keep the economy going. But I hope that everyone is proceeding with caution and thinking first and thinking smart, you know, really analyze and say to yourself, what is essential? Is it really essential that we keep our nails done? So it's something to really think about. And during the shutdown period, I myself have learned what's important and what isn't. So I hope everyone has done the same thing and um, exercise some caution. Yeah, I totally agree. Um, so let's just jump into some uh, some hot topics here. So my first hot topic was I was talking to Leslie and uh, are you a Tamar fan? I, I, cause I'm you, not. Okay, I am. <laughs> She know I am. And so I try to get her to watch uh, Tamar Takes Me sometimes. But um, so I saw that Tamar and Tamar Braxton and Johnny Wright. And if you don't know who Johnny Wright is, he's basically a hairstylist to the stars. But the entire time that Michelle Obama was, uh, you know, as a serving uh, first lady, he was her hairstylist. And so um, he's pretty well known in the in the stylist world. But basically they have this new show um, coming on uh, VH1 and um I think it's going to be hilarious because I think Tamar is hilarious. And basically it's called to catch a beautician. So just to give the backdrop of the show. So the show is about two, it's, it's about, uh, Tamar and Johnny, they come in and basically, um, they're saving clients who have been victims of struggle stylists. So they bring in the surveillance team and all that, and they confront the stylist. And then the stylists get enrolled in a boot camp. After the stylist finished, they get the, they get the chance to redeem themselves by giving the client what they wanted in the first place. So it seems like it's gonna. I, I feel like Johnny's gonna be the one to come in, obviously help the stylist probably with the boot camp. Tamar's gonna be there for um, being funny, and it's. I think it's gonna be funny. What do you think? It has the potential to be funny. Tamar is crass, if nothing else, and she's full of personality. So there's some potential there. But I think the concept is a little crazy to me, considering that Johnny Wright is an acclaimed stylist. Uh, So it'll be interesting to see how this flows. I'm sure he'll balance things out and uh, keep Tamar in pocket as much as possible can you keep her in pocket though i don't think you can keep her in pocket that's why i think it's probably gonna be i think it's gonna be i don't know if you freaking, can keep her in pocket i think it's gonna be nuts i think it's gonna be nuts but i'm gonna watch it though i'm gonna tune in and watch that i think it premieres may 25th um i think that's what i read um some also uh cool news that i saw um just staying in the music realm um so i talked um i think it was last year uh about rhapsody's eve album and um so they announced that her album would be the focus for a course at unc chapel hill um i have it pulled up here and i was gonna read what the course was gonna be about but i think this is really really cool um let's see okay here it is um so it says that hold on it's pulling up here all right so it says that um in this course we will explore the critical womanist stance of Rapidy's 2019 release Eve, which features 16 songs titled with names of famous black women throughout history. This course reads Rhapsody's album as emerging from a greater tradition of womanist discourse dating back to the 19th century. And the purpose of this course is to explore that history. Additionally, students will look at hip hop historical development to engage with albums from femme identified hip hoppers throughout the genre's history. So when I saw this, I thought this was extremely fucking dope. I remember when I was an undergrad, we had a, um, we had a, uh, a hip hop class that I did, couldn't get into. And then we also had a lot of black feminist class. Now, when I was in college, I was young and I was, I wasn't quite as woke, you know, with some of these things as I am now. And so I didn't take the black feminist class, but that's always been like one of my regrets, like not taking advantage of some of the classes that was there, especially when they're cool concepts, because you learn so much and it's thought provoking, but it's also centered around something that, you know, you enjoy. What do you, what do you think about it? And have you ever a chance to have, uh, was there any cool classes when you were undergrad? Yeah, there were definitely classes like that when I was an undergrad, and I, like you, did not get the opportunity to take advantage of those, but I think it's exciting that they've added this to the curriculum, and I hope that 
their students are able to take advantage and really not only will it be thought-provoking in the sense of analyzing music and its impact but also its impact on you as an individual you know what I'm saying yeah I totally agree and I just feel like you know um especially for for women like when I was younger I think that I was still I was still just kind of immature it took me a while to kind of like kind of grow into myself and kind of be solid in my thinking. And I really feel like a lot of things, um, and which crazy because I'm a woman, like I didn't really fully come into just really understanding, like, um, I always knew how dope women were, but just really how dynamic some of these, you know, uh, some of these, like, um, what am I trying to say? I don't know. Um, but you're talking about womanhood. Yeah, like the, the 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 dynamics of it basically, and so it took for me really to be like fully like an adult to really understand it, and so I just hope that you know so many students really take advantage of it because if I was going to Chapel Hill, I would take this course for sure. But um, I'm really excited about that, and she re- she um posted this on her Instagram, so she's actually really excited about it too. And that's something to be proud about though, because she's really looked over in the rap community. But Rhapsody to me is one of the dopest rappers out here. Um, I said that, I said that, yeah, I said that last year. Um, So definitely check out the CD if you haven't. So my next thing is something that's really uh, close to my heart here. There's talk of a Whitney Houston biopic. And here's my thing. I had to uh, really read about this because um, for me, I am extremely huge. I think I told you guys that uh, a few episodes ago, Whitney Houston fan. Um, In my lifetime, to me, she's one of the greatest singers of all time. Um, and so, you know, I just, I did not watch, um, what did it come on? Lifetime? Yes. I didn't watch the Lifetime movie, um, of Whitney Houston. I, I didn't, I couldn't. And, um, but this one, let me pull up the article here, but this one actually, um, is by, um, let me see here. This one's going to be by, uh, the writer behind uh, the Queen biopic, Bohemian Rhapsody. You watched that, right? I did. And did you enjoy it? I did. And I think it's really exciting that the screenplay is being written by the same artist who wrote for Bohemian Rhapsody. Um, there was a lot of emotion in that film. So I think that they're really going to be able to capture, if anything, emotion and possibly the essence of Whitney Houston because they definitely did that with uh, Fred in Bohemian Rhapsody they definitely did that with him so I'm excited for those Whitney Houston fans I can't say I'm a big fan of all time as Mika's just stated but she was a phenomenal artist who had an impact on many I think of her and I think immediately of Bodyguard when I think of her one of her best films ever so we'll see how that goes but he's a phenomenal writer so um yeah and, and and isn't the direction by uh one of the directors from Insecure? Um, I'm not sure if she's from Insecure. She might be, but Stella uh, Maggie and yeah. she, she was the photograph. the photograph. Yeah, and she's with Insecure too. Yes. Yeah, okay. With cool. Insecure. Yeah, and I saw that, and then um also they um so Clive Davis is working with the estate of uh, the late singer Whitney Houston. And um, Pat Houston will produce the movie on behalf of the Houston estate. So I'm hoping that since it's going to have a lot of people involved that was, you know, hugely involved in her life, I just hope that they do it right and do right by her. Like we know that she had her struggles, but she also dealt with a lot, you know, behind the scenes that we didn't always see. And it's hard to be in the spotlight and be one of the greats. And to me, she's one of the greats. And especially, um, in the eighties and early nineties, you know, Whitney Houston was phenomenal, you know what I'm saying? Before, you know, you know, drugs really got a hold of her, but, um, I just hope that they do right by her because, um, she has one of the most beautiful voices I've, I think I've ever heard, but I could be biased. I don't know, but, um, I was really excited to see it. I was a little nervous, but then with just seeing that, um, Clive and her family is going to be kind of involved. I'm just hoping that they really, you know, give her story justice. Yeah. So are you looking forward to the focus being on the music or Whitney Houston herself? Um, I think both, but I think it's just going to be good to see that, you know, I hope that you see more of like, kind of like the creation of the music, like, and also just see, you know, the realness of her struggle too, you know, as far as like, um, 
you know, them trying to make her be something that she's not and the pressures of that and things like that. Because I think like when you show a story, a real story of how, you know, a person is applied so much pressure to just be perfect in the eighties. They were trying to create her to be like, you know, America's sweetheart and everything like that. And so I don't feel like she ever really got a chance to just be herself. And so, um, I want that to be shown like a real representation of the things that she experienced to where it might've let her down to where she might've escaped into drugs and things like that. Cause a lot of times people see people on drugs or alcoholics and things like that. And they just sit and just see that, but it's always something behind that, some kind of sadness and some kind of realness to where it, it, you know, it, it sent you there in the first place. And so I just think if you're going to give a story, just give a real raw story, you know, um, that's not going to just sit and just mar her as just somebody that, you know, was on cocaine. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. All right. So the next thing I want to talk about, um, and then we're going to move on to more, uh, TV stuff. So, um, I was really excited this week because dissect podcast is actually one of my favorite podcasts. Um, last season they did Kendrick Lamar damn CD. And so they announced this week and they released, um, I think on Thursday, on Spotify. Um, I think they're, they're produced by Spotify, the dissect podcast. And so they gave three, um, early episodes. And so this season they chose Beyonce's lemonade. What I thought was dope about it. I listened to all three episodes, um, already, and I plan to follow it all the way through because lemonade to me is one of the best visual albums that ever came out. Um, I tell everybody that, and it wasn't mainly, it wasn't to me, it wasn't just like because of lemonade, the CD, um, she used the poetry of, is it Warshawn Shire? And, uh, who, what, who is absolutely phenomenal. When I first saw Lemonade, I didn't quite know what the fuck I was watching when I first saw it. We all sat at my sister's house and we watched Lemonade together. And, uh, but then when I dissected again by myself and watched it and listened to the poetry that was in the visual album, I was like, yo. And then I found out who the poet was that, that wrote the stuff. And so when I saw with dissect that they're dissecting the visual album, so they're going over the poetry and the music and how she put it all together. The first two episodes was great. It was absolutely great. I was like, wow, because I didn't even think some of the stuff that you watched, like, I didn't even really think about, um, how she tied all that stuff together. It just really made me be like, Oh, so I'm going to listen to the whole season of dissect. And then at the end, I'm going to rewatch the visual album. Cause I'm, I feel like already I already have a different perspective of the, um, of the visual album. So I was really, really, um, excited about that. That's that music to me is something that is, uh, a strong part of my life. And so, but, but when you see an artist really do something very, very artistic, um, it makes a world difference to me when you, when you see them going into a different realm. Uh, so I learned a lot of stuff. I didn't even know that Melina Masukis was one of the directors on there. Did you know that? I did not. Yeah, I didn't know that either. So um, it was really cool just kind of getting some of the, the background for it. Um, so if you haven't listened to that before, if you were a fan of Lemonade, definitely check out the Dissect podcast. Um, I think it's something worth listening to. It was really cool. All right. So last year I talked about... Um, Jason Mitchell. I'm gonna let you talk a little bit about uh, Jason Mitchell because you watched The Shy and yeah. you know that kind of thing. So, um, but uh, I talked last year about the the sexual misconduct that he had going on in The Shy uh, with Tiffany Boone. Um, and so, uh, if you want to talk about this a little bit, well, what's wrong with Jason? It's really disappointing. His character on The Shy was very complex, and it he actually brought value to the show to see that he has this downfall because of whatever his own personal craziness is really unfortunate. And to see that he's what he was arrested for. Yeah. He's arrested for, um, let's see. Possession of he was firearm. arrested and is facing four felony charges, including possession of a controlled substance with the intended to distribute and possession of a weapon. Yeah. And for him to have this downward spiral is just really sad to see. Um, he's he could have been an acclaimed actor, really, with that character on the shot. So to see this is just more than disappointing. And, you know, and I talked about this last year on my podcast. And when I saw him on The Breakfast Club, 
I, I literally felt in that in that interview that he was very disingenuine. I didn't really think that he saw any wrong in what he did because he never really took ownership for anything. He basically victimized himself and said it was everybody else and not him. I personally think um, at this point, I think he's going to be blackballed. I said that last year, and I think he just keep – now he's just kind of digging himself in a hole. I mean, he claimed that he was in um, therapy and uh, what, anger management or something, and hopefully, you know um, – I just pray for him and, you know, hopefully he can turn around. Maybe someone might give him a chance, but he also has a fixed a behavior because, you know, Tiffany Boone, she was in um, the shy and she also played young me on little fires everywhere. And we'll get to that later. But I mean, she did a phenomenal job. And for somebody to literally quit a role because of somebody else and the level of the misconduct they were doing and aggression they were doing towards a person and for her to be, you know, a expiring young actress, but like a really good one. And for her to do that, it had to have been something. It's no way that you walk away from a job, you know, for no reason. And and I agree with that. And this is an example of where it's important to have a good team around you, a support system, someone who's mentoring you along the way, because you never fully arrive. Everyone who's great has a great team behind them. Uh, they continue to seek growth in form of mentoring and guidance. And he's an example of someone who really needed that. So I hope that he's able to get his, his shit together because he really could be a great actor uh, just from what I saw on the shot. Yeah. And he was in straight out of Compton too. And he did really, he, he did really well in there too. So I don't know, but we'll just see, I guess what develops with that. Um, my last thing with hot topics is, uh, Michaela Cole, I think, um, is it Cole? Cole yeah. yeah. I think, uh, you know, her from, uh, chewing gum on Netflix where she was absolutely hilarious. Well, she just announced a new series, um, which is going to be, uh, a really different type role for her. Um, the show is called, um, I may destroy you. Yeah. I may destroy you. And it's going to be on HBO. And basically this show is going to be about, she went out for a night with her friends and, um, she basically blacked out. And when she came to, um, you know, her phone was broken she had a gash over her head. And so basically, um, she's coming with terms with the fact that she might've been a victim of sexual assault. Um, when I read further about this, uh, which, which I think it's going to be, um, I think it's going to be something to watch because basically she's talked about how in 2018, she actually was sexually assaulted by strangers as she was in the process of writing and, um, her, uh, award winning show in 2018. And so, um, basically she said when she, in an interview that, uh, when it comes to traumatic things, you kind of pull from it and write about it and express yourself. And it was kind of therapeutic for her. Um, I didn't even know those events even happened to her. And so that's basically what this, um, the show is kind of, um, surrounded around. And, uh, how do you think that it's going to be? Well, I'm looking forward to it. I know that she's done some other work that's been, um, recognized and claim worthy. So to see her in this particular role will be interesting. I'm definitely going to have to do a paradigm shift because all I think about is the comedian (laughs) in Michaela. So to see her in this and also to be able to witness her writing, um, I think it's going to be really exciting and for HBO to pick it up, it's got to be something that's worth watching. So I'll definitely be there. Yeah, I'm definitely going to watch it too. So now we're going to finish off with some TV talk and uh, I'm really excited about it because uh, it's just some good shit coming on. So um, let's first talk about uh, the last Last Dance documentary. Um, ton- so yeah, so uh, when you hear this, it's going to be Monday. So tonight, um, episode three and four comes out. Um, and so uh, also Insecure come on tonight. So we're probably going to watch this episode three and four probably on Monday, but um, so we already saw episode one and two, which basically, uh, shows the, well, the first episode was basically the Michael Jordan episode where it showed him, what was the second episode? The first episode really does. The first episode really just sets the foundation, I think, for the documentary itself. Um, it gives you definitely insight as the second episode does with Michael Jordan's beginnings and then the focus, of course, on Scottie Pippen. But um, I can't say enough about The Last Dance. I'm a sports fan minutely. 
<laughs> so for me to get something from it and to glean something from this, um, it's a very good documentary thus far. Yeah, it's pretty good. I've been waiting for this for a long time. And so I am a big uh, sports fan and Chicago Bulls is actually still my team. I am a struggling Chicago Bullers, but I am, I've been rocking with them um, my whole life. And in the nineties, you know, when I was growing up, uh, that was all I watched was Chicago Bulls. So I was really excited to see this documentary, um, and really get, this is the thing. I really felt like throughout this whole thing that we're going to see from just from the first two episodes, we're going to see Michael Jordan at his realness. I mean, he was sitting there with, you know, his cognac and cigar. his cigar and he was just, you know, ready to, you know, to sit and kind of talk about it. And it really, and for me, I feel like everyone in the documentary is given a truth, whether it's their truth, whoever truth, but I feel like they're given the truth behind everything that was going on. So even if you're not a big sports fan, it comes on ESPN and you can watch it on demand. I still think it's something worth checking out because, um, you know, a lot of times like now we see so many um, clips of all the people playing now because we have the ability to be able to go back and see these things. A lot of times with the older, you know, athletes, you didn't have the opportunity to go back and see some of these things unless it's something that's in a documentary or maybe somebody play an old film and things like that. But getting the behind the scenes of it, I love that more athletes are starting to do that. Like we watched... Um, I've been making Leslie watch all sports stuff in here, y'all. So we watched the Dwayne Wade um, documentary. He uh, did a documentary for his, he let cameras follow him um, uh, the last year. And really, uh, let's see, I think he started, he did it all throughout his career. He He let camera crews follow him to where he was able to do a documentary um, at the end of his career. And then this week I learned that Kobe Bryant's last year, he actually let a camera crew follow him his entire last season and so that's something that in the future, you know, we're sure it's going to come out as a documentary of his last season as a Laker. And so it's kind of cool for athletes to start open up their lives and like, you know, do these documentaries because you get to see actually the behind the scenes and the insides of how all the greatness happens. So it's been pretty cool to watch. Yeah, I agree for, for them to take the time to chronicle, for them to take the time to chronicle just day one to current um, and I do agree with you when you say that we're getting Michael Jordan at his realist. Um, he's one of the things that I've gleaned from this thus far is how competitive he was. We knew he was a competitor, but to see the game spirit in Michael Jordan and to see what drove him with every game, it's just amazing. So for me to get something from it, if you're a sports fan, you definitely will get something from it. Yeah, it's very true. All right. So if you know me and you know, and you follow me on Twitter, I live tweet, um, pretty much every housewives. I watch every single one, except for Dallas. I couldn't quite get into Dallas, but I watch every, uh, housewives and I live tweet during the show. So if you ever want to jump on there with me, but, um, so how did you feel about the, the season finale of, uh, real housewives of Atlanta? Well, (laughs) right now I'm, I'm struggling with it. I found this season to be a little boring, so I don't know what to anticipate with the reunion. Um, How do you feel about Nene this season? I still rock with Nene. I still rock with her. I think that she started the season truly with the intention of mending fences with everyone, showing showing herself in the most positive light possible. But people just won't let Nene get, get the groove back. They just won't. And I say that specifically to Kenya. But he, oh God, me too. <laughs> I, I despise Kenya. Yeah. I, I am never going to like her. Um, I've never liked her on there. And I, this season I didn't, I totally just, oh my God, I, she bothers me. But do you feel like, um, I've watched a lot of interviews with Nene where she's talked about, um, she feel like people are ganging up on her and things like that, like trying to just start shit with her. Do you, do you feel that way? I don't think she was ganged up on, but do I think that she wasn't always given an opportunity to let her best light shine. Yeah. But then Nene is also to blame for that, that scene where they were in Greece and she's throwing popcorn and threatening to spit on Kenya. That wasn't her best moment. So, you know, Nene is also her own worst enemy at times, but I still fuck with her. Yeah. I still fuck with her too. But I I do think that spitting scene was kind of like, she didn't actually spit, but even threatening to spit on somebody. I mean, I think that's just disgusting. So, um, but I love Nene though. I think last season too, it was a struggle, but also what I try to remind myself and tell people too, like 
when you're in a, when you're thrust into being a caregiver and your partner, you know, your, your spouse has like, you know, something's horrible is like cancer. That shit is hard. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. And when you kind of like in a hard place in general, where like you're used to this person being your rock and now, you know, the roles reverse and now you have to be a caregiver. That shit is, is totally hard. And I think during the fact that all that was happening during filming, it kind of came across, you know, kind of bad for her on screen because yeah. she would just seem like she was miserable. And I think she probably was struggling. You know, I think she probably was miserable. So starting this season, you saw her come in with the spiritual coach and all that. And, um, I don't know. I mean, I love Nene. I think I'm always going to love Nene. I, I don't know, but it's what, this what confused me a little bit. So she did a whole thing where she's making up with people the whole season and she's trying to just turn over a new leaf, which I'm like, cool. You know, that's what we want. And then, you know, at the end of the season, we, I'm, I'm thinking she's cool with everybody except for Kenya, you know, cause she pretty much have done this apology to her this whole season, but then she comes out with a diss record. So how do you feel about that? Like, do you think that was just in fun or like, yeah, do you... I definitely think that this record's in fun and in jest. And I don't think that anyone really should take too much of it seriously. I think Nene's just being herself and this is just another form of expression. Um, look, for me, Nene can do no wrong. I'm always going to be a writer. I'm, I'm part of Nene's fan. Yeah, me too. All right, but yeah, I th- I thought this season, you know, in whole, it it was okay. Um, to be honest with you, I think for me the biggest disappointment, and it's not necessarily her fault, but I'm still waiting for Eva to kind of break out. You know, the past two seasons, what well, she's been on three seasons, the past two seasons she's yes. been pregnant, so she really hasn't really been like in the mix. You know, kind of like she doesn't have a storyline. No, she doesn't have a storyline like that, and um, and uh. I, I want to get rid of Kenya. I, 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 they're not going to because she wow. causes so much drama. She's just messy. Like, I don't like people who, you know, feel so strongly. Like, she feels so strongly about Nene, but yet, like, you are messy as hell with Tanya, calling yeah. the cookie lady in. You you say hurtful shit all the time. You throw your friends under the bus. You're like a toxic friend. You do all these things, but if somebody do one thing to her, it's like the end of the world. I'll never forgive them. You know, like she does yeah. things that doesn't make sense. Like I can I don't get how people are even friends with her. Like I really don't understand it. I think she's a toxic friend. The king needs therapy. Yeah, she does. It's just something just I mean, I feel bad for like I only part this year I feel bad for Kenya was just the shit with her husband because I mean nobody should be treated like that and that was just like some cringeworthy shit sometimes the way this man kind of dismissed her and devalued her. Um, but other than that, like I I could do and I could she do without her. It. Right, right. And that she allowed it, so there's definitely something broken in Kenya. The fact that she even allowed the mistreatment because she definitely didn't allow mistreatment by the women on the show. So we definitely know that uh, Kenya's got some issues, seriously. Yeah, and so that was my thing about the season. I'm I'm curious to see, they, they said, um, Bravo Andy said that they spent like 12 hours doing the reunion, and I think it's like going to be a Zoom, like a Zoom meeting type reunion, like where it's production, everybody's home, and they're all going to be on the screen. I'm curious to see how that shit worked for the reunion. I'm not sure when it's going to come on. I guess they're still trying to get it together, but... Um, I'm curious to see how the reunion is going to go. It's going to be different, but everything right now is just different. Seeing all the talk shows and things like that all on um, digital and at home and things like that. But um, how do you think it's going to go? I don't know what to expect because this season really for me was boring. So, you know, besides a few gloomy moments with Kenya's messiness and Nene's attempt to make amends with everyone, we really don't know what the season ends with other than, we know that Nene and Kenya don't rock with one another. And also I want to say one more thing too. Um, I got in a back and forth on, on Twitter uh, during um, last Sunday's episode where they were talking, where it was about Todd and Candy. And then I watched Bravo after show where Candy gave um, a more detail about um, what was going on, like with him and his, and her mom. And I'm going to say this, apparently now like everything's good and the baby kind of brought like cohesiveness to the group. But here's the thing. I don't care like how you might feel about my family or whatever be the case. And I think when you're with somebody, you still have to treat people with respect and your family should treat them with respect too. That's why I think, you know, Candy's mom is wrong sometimes because Todd is her husband and she should treat him with respect. But when it comes to like them being in a restaurant and you can't even come over and just say hello, you don't got to sit and eat with us. You know, he was was eating by himself and things like that. I do personally feel like that he could have just said hello and went and went back to his seat. You know, I'm not saying Mama Joyce is perfect where she just does the right thing. She talks shit about this dude all the time, which is not good. But 
at the end of the day, you know, that's Candy's mother, which you can tell she genuinely loves more than anything. And that's forever. And you're never, Todd, I don't think ever is going to come before Candy's mom. I I just don't. You can, you can literally sit and see that. Right. Then, and maybe that's what Todd is struggling with, that he knows the value that, and the importance of, with the role that Candy's mom plays, um, she's truly a matriarch and candy treats her as such so really todd needs to get with it and understand and respect it and really i think he should admire it when you consider the way he felt about his own mother and now that he's lost her i don't understand why he has to disconnect with candy's relationship with her mom but do i agree that her mom could cut him a little slack i do but I think that any mom is going to be protective over their kid when, you you know, oh, Candy yeah. is a multimillionaire. So, of course, you're going to always be thinking about her protecting herself and right. things like that. And also protecting her family and her children and things like that. If something was to happen, you know, and he's, you know, left with all her money. It's just the truth right. of it. And I think that's why she acts the way she acts. But she should give respect to, but he should always respect her mother, period. Great. Just like she should respect his family, too. So, I don't know. That, that was just like... um I don't know. I wasn't feeling it. I I don't really care for Todd much. So, you know, <laughs> I mean, just being honest, I never really have. I think he just has this like, here's the thing. I just think that when it comes to relationships and there's always going to be somebody, you know, I don't think you're ever in an equal playing field. I think it's always going to be somebody that might have a little more something going on than the other person. Right. And so a lot of times people get stuck on these gender roles where it's like, I'm the man. And so I think like when, you know, when you have like a male woman relationship, Obviously, like, you have to do things to make him still feel like he's, quote, unquote, the man. But at the end of the day, like, Candy is, you know, a hard worker. She's driven. She's ambitious. And you knew you were dating an ambitious woman. And, like, yeah, should she put family first sometimes, things like that, and have balance? Yes. You know, I even have to have balance in my life sometimes because I can be, you know, a mad scientist and things that I do. But at the same time, like, you knew who you were dating from the get-go. So you can't come in and now, you know, you want to just be, like, where – it's what you say. Like, no, like you have to be a partner with her. And, you know, times that say she's out working, you know, and, and say you might could give something off to an assistant, you can bring the children to her. You know, like she's, she literally on the show was flying every weekend home, you know, trying to do all these things, trying to make him happy and things like that. I think sometimes Ty could bend a little bit like, yeah, you're home with the kids. But at the end of the day, like this woman is a multimillionaire, got her hands in so much stuff. And like she said, so many people depend on her to be successful. So yeah. you think he's power tripping? Yes. I think, I think it's just a matter of like, sometimes you don't like a man doesn't always have to be alpha, mm-hmm. you know, like if, if it was me, you know what I'm saying? And like, you know, I'm, I'm, you know, married to candy or whatever. And in their scenario, you know what I'm saying? I will have to know from the get go that, you know, I'm going to be, you know, kind of in her shadow in a sense. And it's okay. Like sometimes I think, like what I'm saying is I think sometimes some men struggle with, you know, their woman being more in the light than they are because they feel like they have to be quote unquote, the man. Does that make sense? What I'm saying? Yeah. But that's what they're taught. Right. But I don't really think, I don't believe in gender roles. And so I don't really think that you should teach shit like that because I always, like, I know somebody who he had a good job and his wife has an amazing job. They decided that they wanted to have kids. And so his wife was like, you know, basically, she, his wife made more than he did. So the choice was that he in turn became a stay at home dad because it made more sense. And she basically wanted, didn't want their kids to just be in daycare and things like that. So he's a stay at home dad because she made enough to where she could carry the entire load. I don't look at him as a weak man for being a stay at home dad. Right. You know what I'm saying? Like, because he, that's his role and they're in that relationship. It doesn't matter what people think about you like with Ty he worries so much about the fact that he had to quit his job Kenny has all this money and he don't want people to think that he's using her for her money but see those are his insecurities that he has to deal with to really understand how to be truly functional in his relationship true that's what I think the struggle is with them it's just like dude you don't have to do all these 10 11 fucking projects when you know you got you know what I'm saying like do something yes you're working we all see that you're working but at the end of the day I mean why don't you be a support system to your wife? You know, you supported her going, but she's still having to fly back, fly back, fly back, do all this stuff. Then when she come back, it's like, you're busy, you're this, you're that. But I mean, I feel like sometimes bring the kids there, you know? Yeah. You know, do do things like that because I'm sure she's fucking tired. I think sometimes when you're a mom, 
you know, you put it's so much pressure put on you and so much guilt put on you. But when it comes to a man, a man could go work, never fucking be home and things like that. And there's no pressure put on the fact that you're not there for your family because their, their answer to that is, well, I'm providing. So it's fine. But when it comes to a woman, it's not fine. And I truly see that in this case. Am I off track here? or No, you're not. You're not. And Todd really does have to learn how to survive. And he has to learn how to operate within Candy's bubble. Yeah, I totally agree. So that kind of frustrated me. But all in all, I mean, the season was pretty boring. Um, I hope they really revamp and kind of, you know, add something to the show next season. I mean, I've been watching Real Housewives of Atlanta from the beginning, so I'm always going to watch it. But, um, yeah, some of these storylines need to get a little bit better. Um, Also, another thing I want to talk about was that I was really looking forward to uh, May 3rd. I think it was May 3rd. It was supposed to come on. Uh, Potomac was supposed to start. I personally like Potomac, Real Housewives of Potomac, more than I like Real Housewives of Atlanta. And so I was really excited for this season. And then they announced that it's been um, delayed until the summer. So I was really disappointed with that. But I get it because they probably are trying to stretch this shit out because um, trying to, you know, probably with the reunions and all that because that's what I think. But um, I think they're trying to do that also. They're trying to stretch it out. COVID's just wrecked havoc. Yeah, I definitely think so. So that's all I have for my housewife news. Um, but let's talk a little bit about um, quickly some of these shows that we're watching. Um, so the other day, um, we we watched uh, Parasite as a family. And I was really excited when I saw the Hulu uh, added Parasite because when they got all the awards during the award season, I was like, well, what is this movie? And so I didn't know where to really find it at first because um, I, didn't, I didn't see it playing or anything. And so when they added to Hulu, I was like, well, let's sit down and, um, and watch it. And I didn't know what to expect. Um, I loved it, but I didn't expect the movie to even be, I didn't know anything about the movie. So when I came in, I knew nothing about it. And so I didn't expect it to be like that. I thought it was going to be, um, I don't know. I thought it was going to be something else. I don't know. what I didn't know what to expect either. I went blindly in it, but with all the awards that it won, it definitely piqued my interest. I found this film to be just amazing. Uh, once you got used to the subtitles, you completely lost track of the fact that you had subtitles because the film was really that engaging. The characters are complex, and there were moments where it was just intense, and at times just down funny. Yeah, it really was, mm-hmm. and um, I enjoyed it though. So if it's on Hulu, um, you know, if you have time, I think it was about two hours. It's definitely, definitely check it out. I thought it was worth watching. I don't want to tell you too much about it because that one's one I think you should go in just watching it. Um, with no, uh, you know, expectations. So, you know, and, and I don't want to give you anything in regards to that. So, um, it does have subtitles, the entire movie. So just make sure you be, you know, ready to, I had to make sure that I wasn't drinking wine when I was watching it. Cause I was like, <laughs> I want to make sure that I'm able to fucking read this damn screen clearly the whole time. But after a while, when you watch subtitle movies, you forget that you're even reading, um, subtitles. So, okay. So let's talk a little bit of TV. Um, let's talk insecure last week. Um, Leslie joined me with Shantae and we talked about the premiere. So tonight we're going to see episode three, but, um, I guess I more so want to just talk about, um, what are your predictions? You th- what, what do you think is going to happen this season? Like what's some predictions or some things that you kind of think about? Oh, gosh, just so many things. I, you know, one, I'm curious about this fallout between Issa and Molly, the way the season opened, we know that there will be a fallout of some kind. So, but let me, let me pause you there. But you do see that even in episode two, that there's kind of some, there's a disconnect. Yeah. Like how yeah. she didn't tell her at the end that the, the guy called, right. You know, they're kind of disconnected. Yeah. They're, they're you're starting to see it. Yeah. You're seeing the disconnect, even when they were preparing for Halloween and they had to share with one another how much they missed the other. Yeah. It's definitely a disconnect. I think that, I just want to know where the downfall is, but I think the one of the downfalls, Condola's in the mix with it. I think that Issa and Lawrence, there's still some underlying chemistry there. So it'll be interesting to see what happens between those two. They're going to hook up. Yeah, something's going to happen. They've already started the season on this cutesy little note with one another, and they have a secret. What's the secret? 
The secret is that they they've seen each other. Oh, right, 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 right. They have a secret. Right. So the secret will be the downfall in in the end with Condola as well. So it's, this is an interesting. So do you think her and Condola are gonna? Is it is that a friendship that's gonna be a friendship, or do you think it's gonna be a right a seasonal friendship? I you know I don't know. It could be a seasonal friendship. It just. It really just depends. It depends on Lawrence and Molly. This is what I think. I think it's going to be a twist. Everything everything is too calm right now. I think Condola going to be crazy. And it's going to be it's going to be <laughs> some kind of I don't know because right now Condola is just entirely too nice. And it's going to be something in there cuz even like the first episode Can you really be too nice? Yes. Okay. Yes. Yes. Okay. From the standpoint of when you're too nice and it's not really real. Okay. Yeah. So I think Condola, like, it just seemed like right now she's trying to, like, you know, keep it cool, keep it light, you know, let's, like, not let the situation bother her. But if it's ever a moment that she feel any kind of threat or whatever, I just think something might change. I'm just trying to think of something outside the box because right now stuff is too cutesy. And That's so true. it's going to be something with that. Um, I'm hoping that Kelly can get a boo so we can see Kelly like in some kind of like relationship. That would be good. That would be hilarious. It would. And the biggest thing that I think that people have overlooked every season, I say this every season, there's some shit with Tiffany and her husband. Oh, absolutely. And I'm ready for that shit to come out. Like, because there are just some underlying stuff that they kind of, it kind of leave it there every season. I feel like that's never really fully, you know, address the touchstone but to me like it's something there that's that's gonna happen with that well we know something's there because the husband constantly alludes to how happy he was when he was single so it'll be interesting to see that dynamic unfold she's been pregnant forever let's have the baby yeah seriously i hope she had a baby this season because she didn't bring it for for um (laughs) for a minute but uh and i was listening to a uh a podcast and they were talking about their predictions and um they were saying that they think that Isa is going to get pregnant by TSA Bay. I hope not. Yeah, I hope not too. I hope not. But if that happens, this will be a crazy twist in the show. That will be a crazy twist, but I hope it doesn't happen because I actually feel like this season we're seeing a turnaround with Isa. And so I hope that that's not something that, um, that happens, but that's all my predictions for, um, insecure so far. So let's just finish on, um, uh, the finale of little fires everywhere. So amazing. Yeah. So before I start, um, just know that I'm going to mark this in the, um, in the notes, uh, of when we started talking about this. And so, um, that way you'll know if you want to just, you know, scurry past this part. But, um, I, uh, we started little fires and we pretty much been watching it consistently every, uh, every episode. Um, I don't even know where to start with this. Uh, do you want to just do the finale or you want to just kind of give your thoughts on the whole entire season? My thoughts on the season itself is that this was beautifully written. The characters are so complex. Reese and Reese Witherspoon and Carrie Washington, they did the damn thing. I mean, I really could watch this all over again from the beginning. That's just how much I loved it. Uh, Reese is crazy. Yeah. <laughs> And this has made me want to read the book. I know you're reading it currently, but I can't wait to get my hands on the book because uh, this was very well done. I don't know how they could do a season two, but if they did, I'm here for it. I don't think they should do a season two. I actually got into a debate on this on Facebook and I'm like, because sometimes I feel like when you leave stuff kind of like at a cliffhanger, it makes you use your imagination and think about how things might've ended. Where did this person go? What happened when this happened? Like, instead of just giving you that, I think it's good sometimes just to leave it there. I think sometimes having a season one is, is good to just, to just leave it there. And so right now I'm currently reading the book. I stayed up last night and, um, I read almost, you know, over like a hundred pages. So I'm actually almost done with it. And, uh, Everybody told me um, when I told them I was reading the book, they were like, oh, well, you watch the show. It's no point. I'm telling you it's no point. But that's not true because I'm glad I didn't listen because when I, since I've been reading the book and I, this is actually a no-no for me. I always um, read the book first, then I watch the show or movie. But this time, like I watched the show and then I read the book and I thought it was going to be like an issue, but it actually wasn't an issue. It actually, um, it actually was really, uh, it was, it's really good. It's, it's cool to kind of like read the book and you compare like, you know, how things kind of played out in the, in the, in the show. And, um, 
just a different uh, outlook or maybe why things, why, you know, sometimes uh, some characters are going so hard. Like they didn't really brush by it in the show, but they go more in depth in the book. And so if you like the show, um, I definitely suggest reading the book because the book has been really good. I, I, I wasn't really sure if I was going to um, like it as much as the show. Um, the show was, was amazing, but um, yeah, like I'm, I'm not going to lie to you. I don't want to give a spoiler, but when Reese came up to, um, well, Elaine, when Elaine came up to, uh, Mia's house, this Carrie Washington character and tried to, um, confront her about, uh, Pearl getting an abortion. Listen, yes. listen, <laughs> and, and Mia had to let her know how tragic she is. And that it was actually, you know, her daughter. Oh my goodness. I, I was like that thing, that, that finale took me out. I was in the house like, what? Yes. So, um, I loved it. And I, I, I loved it more and more. Um, what I like about Reese, she, um, she has a production studio. I think it's called hello sunshine. And that's the name of her book club too. And so a lot of times she takes some of the books from her book club and she created the shows. She did the same thing for big little lies, um, where they read the book. And then she also did a show. She did little fires everywhere as well, where her book club did little fires everywhere, the book, and she made the show. Now, when it came to the debate, um, that I was having online, uh, the other thing that I think about was the season two of Big Little Lies. Big Little Lies was, um, <clears throat> excuse me, one of our favorite shows. And I feel like where it stopped on season one was the end of the book. I didn't read Big Little Lies. You you did, though. I did. And, and where season one ended was in the book, yes. right? So season two was them basically off the cuff, you know, um, doing season two. And so really when you think about season two of Big Little Lies, it, it really didn't have to happen. It didn't, but... We all want closure. Yeah. <laughs> so whenever a show is that good and there's so many, this definitely ended as a cliffhanger. We have so many what ifs. So yes, you're having to use your imagination. But again, if there were a season two, I would be here for it. Definitely. Yeah. I also watch it too, but, um, I don't know. Sometimes I feel like when you start going off the cuff, it, it can be kind of, you know, look at game of Thrones that did not uh, end well and that was off the cuff and uh and also um you know hands made is kind of going off the cuff i mean they mm-hmm. after season two this has been all just regular writing from someone else i mean margaret atwood is still a part of it but um it's not anything to do with the book and so it's a little off so um i don't know i don't know but i enjoy little fires everywhere um that actually has been it was only eight episodes but that was actually one of my favorite things to watch on wednesdays on hulu so um if you haven't watched that check it out so that's all i really have for tv talk i want to talk about one more thing though so i've been looking at uh um different things online about OnlyFans page so this week they announced that casanova and safari have only fans page. So my first thing that I want to say, especially for the parents out there, I know a lot of us let their, let their kids have phones, social medias and things like that. A lot of kids, especially your older ones, like our kid has a debit card. We do monitor it, but you know, some people might not monitor what their kids are doing. You might think the only fans page is just a regular like type page, but I really just kind of want to share my thoughts on that real fast before I finish because, um, you should make sure you're aware of what your kids are doing online. Um, I know that with Safari and Casanova, who are celebrities, um, I think Safari is like $25. Casanova, I think it's like 50, but they're like showing their penises on there. And a lot of people are doing like sex stuff on there where you have to pay like, you know, to get different content. Like you did, the, the money amount is based on the content, but there's strippers on there. There's people doing sexual things on there that you, that you pay for. And so you might think that your kid is just, spending money on a, you know, on a social media thing, but you know, you should probably make sure that, you know, you know, if your kid is spending money on some kind of social media platform, maybe you should check out what exactly it is that they're doing. Cause I didn't even, I didn't even know, you know, the levels to OnlyFans pages. I thought it was just like, you know, cause I saw people cooking, you know, I saw people, you know, um, people do other stuff on there. It's not all sexual, but there are some, some people that's doing sexual things. So just something to just, um, you know, just keep your eyes open for, you know, because I've seen people do dance pages, um, a whole bunch of different stuff that I didn't know people were having sexual stuff on there. So, um, and, uh, you know, nowadays it's just hard to keep up all this shit. Like I'm 35, but I feel like sometimes I'm old when it comes to this stuff. Cause I don't know shit about any of this stuff. Half time. I learned a lot of stuff that I learned about this stuff from 
Twitter and maybe somebody mentioned it on a podcast, you know, and, and that's how, like, I kind of know, you know, what's some of the stuff that's going on. So I just want to kind of touch on that before I finish today. Um, I thought it was cool for Leslie to drop in today. I, I don't know how much she enjoys joining me, but it was a joy for me for her to join me again for some quarantine and chill and just kind of let you guys know what we've been doing in the house. Um, uh, let, let them know where they can find you, Leslie. I can be found on Instagram at the block effect. T-H-E-B-L-K effect. All right. And like always, you can find me on Instagram at it's just my thoughts underscore podcast. Don't forget that I will be going live with Taylor um, for Wellness Wednesday this week at 7 p.m. on Instagram. Um, Also, uh, you can find me on Twitter at IJMT podcast. And you can also contact me on on, on, through email. Okay, I'm getting tongue time. You can always contact me on my email and my email is uh ijmt podcast at gmail.com um don't forget to like follow subscribe leave any feedback uh we can also continue conversations you know on social medias um you can always hit me up and ask me any questions that you want i always respond to everyone and like always i thank you so much for listening today it's mika here and i appreciate you